Welcome everybody to Ace Field Retro. We're here on our Sunday watch along talking about one of the best Royal Rumbles in company history, the 1992 Royal Rumble. Uh, this is the last weekend before WWE has their annual Royal Rumble event in St. Louis. Welcome in Nick the Comic Nerd. Thanks for joining me, man. What's up? Hell yeah, man. I'm glad to be here again. I'm good. How are you? Good weekend? Everything's good, man. Hanging right. in there and I was looking forward to doing this and I've uh, been pretty busy doing the podcast and doing some shows. So uh, you and I haven't spoken since Wednesday doing the mm -hmm. Dynamite show. Uh, so there's been some good wrestling, some good wrestling going on currently. Uh, we were talking about it off air, but GCW's um, hosting their pay-per-view that's at Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, the world of GCW 2022. So a really big event in the wrestling world. Hopefully GCW can cement itself as a third legitimate option, um, I guess, in place of Ring of Honor as Ring of Honor get set for a rebuild or a regear, whatever you want to talk, call it back in April. Uh, but this is a huge, huge, huge deal. I'm not sure if you have any interest in GCW and like any buzz on your end. Um, I just know that I saw that Mox is going to be over there. So that, that catches my interest. Um, you know, in all honesty, dude, my, my gut is telling me to just rely on you. You know, if you were like, Oh, you should check out this weekend in GCW. I will. Like that's kind of how it's going to be. Cause you know, I feel like uh, you never lead me in the wrong direction with wrestling. That's for sure. Yeah, I've been pretty pumped on this show. GCW has had a couple of buzzworthy moments in the past year. Uh, I talked about Cardona on the year-end show being my, uh, I guess, comeback type of wrestler of the year after getting mm -hmm. released from WWE. He's done his indie tour. Uh, his best moments have been in GCW. So him you know, taking on GCW by storm and making fun of them and being the anti-hardcore wrestler. Uh, he's involved. He's taking on Joey Janela tonight. We have Moxley wrestling Homicide for the GCW World Championship. FTR is rumored to be there to take on the Briscoes. Wow. Um, Jeff Jarrett is there. A lot going on in New York City. So I was considering buying tickets and going. Uh, just didn't work out that way. I am definitely going to watch it. And I recommend that everyone that sees this, if you are not, if you didn't watch it live on Sunday night, go back and support good wrestling. Uh, it's only $25 on Fight TV. Make sure you go out there because, you know, I don't know if you guys follow me on Instagram, but if you do, it's at Ace Field Retro. But I've been supporting the fact that we always want legitimate options and secondary options to watch good products. And it's the same across all fandoms. You know, we talk about Marvel, DC, and it's always good to have a third option uh, to push the other competition because if GCW rises, everybody else has to up their game. And, you know, we know AEW is working hand in hand with them. But it just makes everything better when there's other options and good things to watch because uh, I'm pumped to watch something that's not AEW or WWE this weekend, and that's always a good thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. It's a cool so, way to turn your head to something else, you know? Absolutely. And, like, GCW has been some of those things I, I watch, like, sort of, like, on Instagram or YouTube. I just check out highlights. I've seen a few shows here and there. Uh, but you know what? I'm really excited to watch tonight, and I will certainly talk to you guys on Wednesday on Dynamite just to let you know what I thought about it. Cool. Uh, but it is a really big deal, the fact that they sold that Hammerstein Ballroom. The last time that uh, Ring of Honor did that, obviously ECW One Night Stand was there. Raw has been there in the past. So this is certainly something that's not a small feat for a company that uh, is not new. But, I mean, trying to cement themselves and throwing a lot at this event to make it memorable. So uh, certainly should be good. But enough about GCW. We're talking about WWF Royal Rumble 1992. And in my opinion... This is the best Royal Rumble uh, in history. So the, I honestly, I saved this for last when I do my Royal Rumble rewatches. I want to watch this right before the Royal Rumble because it always puts me in a good spot. 
Uh, everything from the talent in the ring, the way it's booked, and then certainly the finish. So before we start this, Nick, what's your sort of preliminary knowledge on the Royal Rumble 1992? I honestly don't have any. Um, I imagine I'm going to know everybody who comes into this at this point based off of other videos we've watched, right? There's a lot of legendary cast. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the the entries have passed away. Okay. Uh, a lot of, you know, legends of wrestling. You're going to see the likes of Macho Man, Hulk Hogan, you know, Ric Flair. There's every guy that comes out, you're going to be like, wow. Cool. I mean, there's a couple of guys that you may not recognize, but uh, everyone has a purpose in this. And building up to this match, it's for the real world championship. So uh, Ric Flair had entered the WWF as the real world's champion coming over from WCW. He wanted to cement himself as a world champion and enter the Royal Rumble as a heel trying to win the vacant WWF title. And we'll see if he can do it from number, right. uh, number two. One of the coolest highlights, and I have a whole bunch of trivia and fascinating Royal Rumble facts because there's a lot that goes into the fallout, the during of this match, and also um, just small little tidbits about what was going on in wrestling at the time. Cool. But this is uh, an historic event that, it really, it, it really cemented the Royal Rumble as a, an annual, very important Big Four event because before this, the Royal Rumble didn't have as much stake as it has now. And it's certainly here and going forward, it becomes a huge part of the road to WrestleMania. Yeah. My first question to you, is every entry somebody you have as a figure behind you? That's a good question. Um, so... Nice little segue to my Hasbro collection. So I, I posted on my Instagram story. Uh, yeah, it's always backwards this way. Uh, so the Hasbro set, I am crossing names off lists. I'm trying my best to complete the Hasbros. I'm a completist in that way. They're all loose. I'm not doing mint on card. But uh, yesterday I got a nice little haul from Hastel Toy, Mitch from Hastel, which is uh, located in Medford, New York. So if you're in the area or you're not, make the trip and check him out. He's awesome. Uh, I know the major figure pod guys are you know, good friends with him and they do it. I mean, type it on YouTube. You can see they do a walkthrough of his store. Uh, any wrestling figure you're looking for, whether it be Jack specific bone crunchers, uh, the LJM big guys or the Hasbros, he has it there and they're in really good quality and not just wrestling figures. There's other comic book type of stuff, superhero stuff, uh, toys from your childhood. It's a, a trip down memory lane and it's like a nostalgia trick right to your, right to your brain. Honestly, Very like, cool. I, I feel like a kid when I'm back in there, I was talking to Mitch yesterday when I was in the store and he had offered that he would come on the show and do a little bit of a conversation possibly about wrestling figures. So stay tuned for that. Uh, He's a busy guy. So am I. So we'll see if we can kind of link up schedules and have a conversation about uh, wrestling figures and how he got into the business. But that dude is awesome. Uh, So follow him on Instagram or I think he's on Instagram and YouTube. So, but Hastel toys. So some great stuff. He does some, uh, even if you're not in the area, he does ship to all over the country. Um, and this is just, you know, I didn't, he didn't pay me to do a plug. I love the store. And Nick just randomly asked me about the figures. But to answer your question in, I guess, in a short thing, most of them are. Cool. And, uh, yeah, the Hasbro figures are, I guess, go hand in hand with this event. Because it's around the sweet spot. Hasbro came in 1991 and then 19, till 1994. So these, and 1995. So this is 1992, right in the middle of it. Very cool. All right. So guys, we are on YouTube. Instead of Peacock today, Peacock's been um, sort of the bane of my existence. I'm doing some, I guess, research trying to figure out why the ads are there. And I think I figured it out because of the tiers. Uh, I swear I'm not ancient. I should figure out this stuff. But 
I'm pretty sure I was subscribed to the highest tier, and I'm not sure why there were ads. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they they said they never have ads on Peacock, which I was like, are you kidding me? I think I pay $10 a month, and I have ads every three seconds. Yep. But I do have YouTube Premium. Um, and I know Nick doesn't, but I'm sure YouTube has less ads. So do me a favor, guys. Search on YouTube, Full Match 1992 Royal Rumble Match. And it should be hosted by the actual WWE YouTube channel. So I'll give you guys a second to pull it up. Pause this video if you need to. Get it up. Um, we are going to get started with a Nick countdown. So, Nick, you want to count us down? Let's do it. Three, two, one, start. I'll let you listen in a little bit, guys. I got yeah. Howard Finkel. Where was this? Very good question. I should have that, that fact right in front of me, but I'll pull it up right now. So it's Howard Finkel's of the ring. He is one of the best ring announcers. I think he set the standard. So this is in Albany, New York, not known as a wrestling sort of hotspot. Oh, wow. The Knickerbocker Arena. I wonder what it's called now. It's wild, especially since we're from New York. Like, if you ask me what's upstate, I'm going to tell you there's nothing upstate. I have family up there. We go up there. There's like a bowling alley and like an old Stewart's diner, dude. There's nothing else. This thing's called MVP Arena now. Um, and it's located in Albany, like I said. And it holds up to 17.5, which is pretty wow. big. Opened in January at the at the time. January 3rd, January 3rd, 1990, this is open. It's the home to the Siena Saints uh, and the Albany Empire. So, yeah, interesting. So we are having Howard Finkel give the read us the rules of the Royal Rumble. But, of course, we know the rules already. Uh, 30 men, 90-second intervals. You have to go over the top rope. And here comes Jack Tunney with the vacant WWF title. Shaking hands. And I love Jack Tony. I'm not sure. Do you know anything about Jack Tony? No. So he was a figurehead back in the 1990s for the WWF as sort of an off-screen uh, leadership character that would just kind of be like, he's the reason you set matches and they can blame it on Jack Tony. It was a nice storytelling piece where you had a reason that things came together. You know, it just said it came down from Jack Tony. Now we have the GMs and Vince McMahon and all that stuff. But before this, Vince McMahon was not known to have owned, owned WWF. It was just like Jack wow. was the leadership who made decisions. Wow. So he's explaining the rules. Let's tune in a little bit. The announcing is so good. It's Bobby Heening, who is completely shilling for Ric Flair the whole time. So the whole like, wh why I put that on my story, not fair to Flair, uh, the whole time he is saying not fair to Flair because Ric Flair winds up coming out uh, pretty early in the Rumble. You'll see when he comes out. Um, so he really, in the in the grand scheme of things, didn't seem like he stood a chance. So here comes number one. It's the British Bulldog. I know you have that figure. I do have British Bulldog, one of the best figures. Um, and they have an active Instagram account that his family runs in legacy of British Bulldog that posts highlights and stuff about his life and career and everything like that. So one of the more underrated wrestlers. I posted a video of him uh, two days ago with him in Japan doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff. And people think of him as this big bruising uh powerhouse type he can really move around in there so some fascinating facts about this so let's see if i have anything about bulldog and here comes rick flair down the ring so bobby Heenan's gonna lose his mind right here let's listen to him oh it's actually million dollar man i promise rick flair comes out early here so the winner wins the belt? Is that what the deal is with this? Yeah. Wow. 
Only twice in WWE has that been done. The Royal Rumble. What was, was the other time? 2018 with Triple H when he won the title of vacant. Everyone entered the Rumble. Wow. So that was AJ Styles' debut match. Okay. Yep. Or it might have been 2016, dude. I'm I'm all over the place, but you know, I think it was 16. I was gonna say 18. No, I thought 18 was Seth. Yeah, I yeah, 18 was um yeah, 18 was Seth, you're right. But um the WWE title was vacant in 2016, and AJ came back and then Triple H surprisingly won. I think the final two were Ambrose and uh Triple H. Very cool. Does Ted does Ted DiBiase ever become champion? He tries to buy the championship, and there's a famous storyline of that where uh, they had the two the referee that got plastic surgery. So Dave and Earl Hebner are actual twins, like in real life. So on a Saturday night's main event, which I recommend going back because it's a pivotal point of WWF and where they started telling these sports entertainment type of stories. Uh, so Ted DiBiase was a millionaire. Obviously, he's a million dollar man. He paid to have the ref get plastic surgery, look just like Earl Hebner, and he screwed Hogan out of the title. So Andre beat him, and Andre sold the title to DiBiase and then um, vacated the title, which led to the WrestleMania Four tournament for WrestleMania, the WWF title. Wow. So he held it for like a second. He never yeah. won. But on, same thing with Andre. Andre won it, but then he never won the title. I guess that, that storytelling was weird because they didn't know. And there goes DiBiase pretty quickly, eliminated by British Bulldog. Number two is out quick. Yeah, British Bulldog, uh, I was just watching the 1995 one. He came down to the final two as well. Um, the famous only one of Shawn Michaels' feet has touched the ground. Um, so he came close to winning his first Royal Rumble in 1995. Let's see who's next here. As we get the crowd in, we've got nine seconds. I love this, dude. I know we've talked about it. This is my favorite part of wrestling right here. So good. This is It's just a brilliant idea invented by Pat Patterson. And here he comes, Rick Flair. Yeah. Let's listen up. Bobby Heenan. What is he saying? So, Bobby Heenan, who is his uh, his manager, is at on the announce desk and gorilla monsoon is, is up the thing and said, you can kiss a goodbye brain. No way he's going to win. Nobody's ever won from that early in a number. So the Royal rumbles in its infancy still at this point, the first one was in 1988. This is 1992. So do the math on how many there have been at this point. But like I said, this is the first Royal rumble that it actually meant something. It wasn't just like a credential in your resume. Yeah. So flair, if he wants to win the WWF title, he has to go from three all the way through and withstand a barrage of legendary wrestlers that even right. at the time they were legendary wrestlers. Very cool. So some other, other things to talk about during this match. Uh, there's some fascinating things going on and I will talk about it specifically when we get to certain guys, but there is a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes here that people didn't really realize that would have changed the, the trajectory about everything that happened. So for example, 16 future hall of famers took part in this rumble. So Wow. Uh, to no one's surprise, more than half of these entrants are in the Hall of Fame. So I don't want to spoil too many of the guys, but I mean, it is about 30 something years ago at this point. Uh, so spoiler alert, guys. Ted DiBiase, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, Tito Santana, Kerry Von Eric, Greg Valentine, 
Nikolai Volkov, Big Boss Man, Roddy Piper, Jake Roberts, Jim Duggan, Jimmy Snooker, Randy Savage, Iron Sheik, Hulk Hogan, and Sergeant Slaughter. Wow. And, and that's also not counting the three that are going to go in the Hall of Fame eventually, which is The Undertaker, uh, British Bulldog, if he's not there already, Rick Martel, and others. So, And even in the undercard of this match, and here comes one half of the Nasty Boys. Can you hear that audio, Nick, on your end? That one I do, yep. Who are the Nasty Boys? Why don't I know these guys? They're a classic WWF tag team. Um, I'm pretty sure they were champions at one point, but they were just uh, a brutal tag team that were just like gross guys that um, used to put their armpits in their opponent's face. Yeah. Uh, so they are certainly a force to be reckoned with, and they are some great Hasbro figures I do not have yet. So those are two guys I do need. Okay. Um, so... Nick, do you know the ending of this match? Because I want to start talking about why it was booked and why the decision was made. Do you know what happened? I don't know the end of it. I did see your hashtag, not fair flair, or something like that. Um, so you're making the jump that possibly Ric Flair could win this match. Yeah, that was my All first right, let's, Or let's my guess is he's the last one eliminated. I don't know, because of the way you wrote it. It's, it, it freaks me out. Let's let's talk about um, in hypothetical. And if hypothetic in a hypothetical world, Bobby Heenan would have pitched the idea of Flair going the distance from number one. Uh, so it was an open secret for some time that Flair was going to be winning the 1992 Rumble match and become WWE champion. Uh, figuring out how Flair was going to get there was another story. So legend has it that Bobby Heenan, in his first book, pitched the idea of having Flair survive the length of the match in order to capture the gold. Flair had the idea uh, and the amount of superhuman endurance that could and the capability to go the necessary hour in order to make it work. And of course, we know Flair can go those 60-minute matches with Sting. We watched it going on as Flair yeah. is begging off uh, British Bulldog. Um, but, yeah, Flair is like the marathon guy. He would go out there, and at the time, it was sort of unheard of for guys to have the endurance. Fit, like, in legitimate, like, not just storyline, to be able to last an hour in the ring is uh, doing a lot. And I know there's a lot of time where you can rest in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. But uh, he was going at it. I mean, look at him. He's in the ring for doing all this. And here comes uh, Haku, one half of the tag team with Andre the Giant, the Colossal Connection, that we saw the other night on Primetime Wrestling. Do you know who's going to end up with the most eliminations in this off top of your head? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm sure it's calculated somewhere. Yeah, we'll keep track. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so Bulldog's far. got both so far, so. Yeah, if you want to write them down, we can actually keep track of it. Yeah, I'll keep track. So in Heenan's book, he did talk that McMahon modified the idea that Heenan had. He didn't suggest that a Flair could enter from number one and go the distance. Flair, of course, ended up entering at number three. Um, and it was McMahon's idea not to have it go for number one because he didn't believe it was believable. Uh, it's funny enough that only three years later, he'd have Shawn Michaels win from number one. And then eventually he would have Chris Benoit do it in 2004. So not done often, uh, but an effective storytelling tool for sure. Um, I, yeah, the other guy, I mean, people also went from the beginning of the match. And it was always a funny conversation that people had that you can go number two, like the number one and number one and two coming at the same time. They're in the ring at the same yeah. time, but winning from number one is completely like looked upon as this crazy thing. But right. Mr. McMahon won in 1999, number two, and Rey Mysterio won from number two in 2006. So wow. You know, it's the same feat. You're in the ring the yeah. whole time. You're still going through the same amount of guys. Exactly. But it's not looked upon the same. I know. Of course. It's wild. Very, very true. So we have Haku in the ring taking on Ric Flair. We only have one elimination so far. 
And um, you said you loved the Royal Rumble. What was the first Royal Rumble you watched live? Uh, so the first one I watched live was probably when I got back into wrestling. So 2008 teens. Okay. 17 or 18. But before that, I had watched. And there goes Bridge Bulldog as number two. Haku is gone as we have our number five coming out. And it's Shawn Michaels. Wow. Um, prior to that, I watched how 2017, 16, and 15s ended, I think. So, which were all awesome. So, I didn't watch those live. I just kind of caught like the like replay on YouTube where you get like it in that little box in the corner. Yeah. But I watched 18, was super stoked. I think. When did the girls' Royal Rumble start? Was that in like 18? Was that late? I feel like the first one was in 18 when Oscar won. Yeah, that was. Yeah. So that was a big part of it, too, is I think that was the first time the girls did it, which was cool. I wasn't against it. You know, I think it makes it a lot more difficult nowadays. But at the same time, I mean, it's good to see. I just feel that with the women's roster in WWE nowadays, it's kind of hard to do. Like, there aren't many contenders, if you're asking me, in the solos. But who am I? So. No, I mean you're right. The women's the women's division is sort of uh, torn apart, and to the point where, and uh, Shawn Michaels doing his vintage style of hanging on. So hits the sweet chin music. Not quite the sweet chin music yet. It was just one of his like setup moves at the time. Yeah, he was fresh from breaking up with Marty Jannetty with the Rockers, who we just watched on Primetime Wrestling. So you're getting a nice wrestling education right now, Nick. That's right. Very interesting to see that. Uh, many years later, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels would wrestle at WrestleMania 24, where Shawn Michaels would retire Ric Flair. And it's crazy how wrestling works that these two guys are in the ring, unknowingly so tied together in their careers. Right. So, Shawn so was Michaels, this Ric Flair's first match in WWF? Not first match. I mean, it's a good question. This is his first year there. So in the storyline, he comes in with his own title belt and is acting like he's the real world champion. So, yeah, I mean, the thing about the Royal Rumble at the time, like I mentioned before, there was nothing to like, there was nothing to win. They didn't win a title shot, nothing. It yeah. was an annual battle royal. The first one happened uh, on USA Network. It wasn't even like a pay per view. It was just randomly that they had Hacksaw Jim Duggan getting in there. Here comes Tito Sandana, AKA El Matador, right here, who is still wrestling to this day on the Indies, by the way. Really? Oh, yeah. 29 years later. Good for him, man. I've been sending some emails out to him to see if he wants to come on the show. I'm not even joking. Awesome. So he's a legend. Was Let's he ever somebody who was a champion? He was Intercontinental Champion. That's about it. He never really got to that point where he was uh, world champion material. He certainly was great in the ring. He had a great match with Shawn Michaels, I believe, at this year's WrestleMania that in 1992. Uh, wow. And the opening match was a great, great match for the IC title. But uh, yeah, never really reached part uh, the next the next step. So I feel like only only so many stars can like open up WrestleMania matches. And I look at every time I see Shawn Michaels since we I feel like we've been watching so much of him, which is great. I, he like reminds me a lot of Seth Rollins, obviously. Uh, uh, honestly, not obviously. Yeah, and I always look at Seth. I feel like he opens so many big events, and I feel like it's good for the company because like you want to see big things. Um, the one I never agreed with, though. I didn't understand why he opened up against Brock um, for the championship belt in 2019, that was, in New York. Like, that just, that was a little wild to me. But, I mean, when I look at Shawn Michaels, I think, like, you got a household name along with a great superstar wrestler whose career obviously goes a long way and the people he meets up with along the way, kind of like you said, like with Flair. I just think, is you know, 
Would you consider Shawn Michaels the best WrestleMania opener of all time? He is Mr. WrestleMania for for a reason. Um, not just opener. I believe he's the best WrestleMania performer of all time. If you look at just brass tacks and go match to match, every match he's in has been, if not you know four and a half stars, five stars. You think about his matches with Taker, his match with Jericho, his match with Brett at WrestleMania 12, uh, his match with Austin at WrestleMania 14 with a bro- like pretty much a broken back. Uh, an unbelievable performer. Who uh, is this? This is sorry. <laughs> I, t- I took my my off the screen. I believe that's the war. Who is that? Is it the warlord? Oh, the barbarian. So okay. the same exact character as the warlord, except like big tough guy in the ring, gonna play the big guy role. So I said they're eliminating people. <laughs> some guys in this match that would not uh, would not be. Hall of Famers, and he certainly is not. So, the Barbarian, I'll go and show you. He was tagging with um, the Warlord for a bit, which is why I got them confused. They used to be the Powers of Pain uh, or the Faces of Fear with Ming, I believe, that he used to wrestle. So, I think that he is still alive. 63 years old. It's popped up on his Wikipedia page. Uh, six foot two, 300 pounds, so a big boy in there. He looks like he's wow. just a normal-sized guy because everyone in that ring is pretty much super-sized aside from yeah. Uh, so the thing is about the, the Royal Rumble, as I mentioned, I repeated a few times. So the Royal Rumble match, if you guys don't know, generally has 30 wrestlers. So prior to 1992, there was no prize for winning the match. So, however, uh, the title had been vacated and became the prize in 1992. It was the only the first of two times of promotions world championship, as I mentioned, 2016 as well. So I'm trying to find the reason why it was. Um, yeah, here we go. I'm trying to find the reason why it was vacated to give you guys the exact. Uh, reason uh, so prior to the event it, would, it was announced that the winner of the royal rumble would win the vacant wwf world championship which had been stripped from hulk hogan after two controversial titles which is between hogan and the undertaker first at the 1991 survivor series and then later at the tuesday in texas pay-per-view hogan and taker were among the 30 entrants in the event and then wwf president jack tunney gave hogan and undertaker an advantage in the random draw to determine the order which the wrestlers would enter the ring promising them numbers between 20 and 30 wow um, so this Royal Rumble match was a huge piece too. And here comes Texas Tornado. Fun fact, and I guess not so fun fact, Texas Tornado, unbeknownst to anyone in WWF at the time, had lost his foot in a motorcycle accident. So at this point, he has a prosthetic foot that he's wrestling in the ring with. And nobody wow. So like if you watch Dark Side of the Ring, on, I think it's on Hulu right now, but Vice TV has it. They tell the stories about the Von Erics, and I won't go into it because it's some gory details about their whole lineage and their family and how terrible everything that went down with them was. But um, right here, he, and look how good he's moving. Like, it's amazing how well he's yeah. on the ring. Um, and nobody knew that he was fighting that. And because he didn't want to lose the guaranteed money from WWF, they knew they wouldn't clear him to wrestle. So he's bouncing around there with no problem, which is insane. Wow. Bulldogs thought they're kicking ass, dude. Who, who'd you say? Uh, British Bulldog. Uh, Bulldog's in there doing a great job. Um, never WWF champion either. Kind of a shame. I think he'd been a great WWF champion. Oh, it's wild to think. I would have guessed he was just looking at him. This is the year that the IC title main evented SummerSlam 1992. They main event uh, Wembley Stadium. Him and Bret Hart have a absolutely killer match. If you're looking for a great match to watch, British Bulldog and 
Bret Hart tear the roof off the building, Wembley Stadium, huge, huge arena. If you're into those types of matches, it has the the feel of a really big event, and it's for the IC title. I think from start to finish, it's one of the best matches ever. Um, um, and Bulldog's at the like the peak of his career here. Very cool. Uh, so also, also like so for the Royal Rumble, um, back in the day, like so you you didn't watch like you didn't watch in like the '90s at all, so you have no idea like nothing like that. What yeah. drew you to the Royal Rumble as like the one of the first things that you liked about it when you started watching wrestling? Uh, I mean, yeah. So, like I said, I mean, I'm all about the pop. So the fact that every time somebody comes out, you typically get a loud pop, you get great cheers, and then to see all the superstars in the ring at the same time is absolutely wild. Plus, like you never know who's gonna eliminate who. Who is this guy, by the way, that just came out? Um, this is the Repo Band. So this is actually smash from demolition remember we watched demolition the tag team yes they rebranded him as repo man i have this figure somewhere that i don't want to knock him down because they're set up so nicely uh but yeah he's a, one of the hasbro figures as well barry darslow cool. it's his real name horrible yeah. gimmick it, like this was the this was the time with wf they did all these gimmicks where he literally he literally was a, a repossession man so he was another, to- another big thing i like about it is like I remember when Rollins was when Rollins won it when I first watched in eighteen, like it felt like those guys like I don't remember what number he came in, but there's a lot of guys out there who have something to fight for, and then at the same time I feel like there's a lot of guys who don't. Like every year you get, now you get like Hornswoggle every single year, and it's like this guy's never gonna win. You get a whole bunch of jobbers, a whole bunch of people you never heard of. You get people you've heard of that you just know aren't gonna win, but then yeah. there are people who are in the ring for a long, long time, and you're like, oh, are they gonna win? Could they win? So that's the thing, too, is the Royal Rumble, to me, is always a big surprise. Um, and I always feel like you never know how it's going to end because a lot of the time you get, like, you get tag teams in there at the same time. Like, they don't know what to do with each other, and they try to stay away from each other. And, you know, in 18 was when, uh, I don't remember the Shield was back together with Ambrose when that whole thing went down or if they weren't. But I remember towards the end it was, like, Drew, Braun, maybe Randy, Roman, and Seth. And I was like, ah, between Roman and Seth, I was like, I think Roman had a belt. Seth had didn't have his. He was because he won and went after Brock. And it was one of those things where it was like in my head, I was like, you know what would be a perfect ending to this? If Roman just stepped off the rope and like told Seth, like, it's your time or something. And in my head, I was like, that's a great idea. Is it how it should end? No. But I just thought it'd be a cool idea. And the big thing is too, like, I liked it a lot in 18 because at the end of the women's match. And at the end of the men's match, I'm sorry, in 18, Shinsuke won. In 19, Seth won. Right. Um, right at the end of the match, they pointed to the WrestleMania sign in the crowd and they called out who they wanted to fight then and there, which was awesome because right. Asuka won and called out uh, Charlotte. Yeah. And then I loved when, I mean, I, we've watched matches with Shinsuke now, and you know, I fear that guy. And I loved AJ Styles. I still do. And he pointed at the match. The WWE sign, he goes, AJ Styles. And it was wild. And I was like, that is awesome. Yeah, that was a crazy, crazy moment. And I had just watched that match. Uh, and even now, it's it's surreal to watch him in the ring with Cena and Roman to end the match. And he wins the match. And it's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of these some of these events age much better than they, they do in the moment. Because of the fact that when you're so when you're watching the product so intently as I was in a, during a lot of these times, like you know the early 2000s, late 90s, you know who's winning and who's not winning. But now when you go back and watch, 
like as someone watching this now, you know Shawn Michaels isn't winning this match because at the time he's still a mid Carter. You know a guy like British Bulldog's not winning because he's involved in something else. But when you watch, you're watching this now. In retrospect, all these guys are legendary guys that could have right. won the world title. Um, and you can look, you can say the same about a lot of different matches, Royal Rumble matches uh, specifically <laughs> that happened. That they are. You look back and like you knew they weren't going to win at the time, but they legitimately could have because of what happened yeah. later on. Um, we missed Greg Valentine coming out. He came out as well. Uh, we are going to have our next entrant, which is Nikolai Volkov. So Nikolai Volkov coming out here. and We watched him or the brother? Well, Nikolai was in the match as well. Yeah, that was the tag team. So a lot of guys we watched because I think it was it was a primetime wrestling from 1991 or, 19, or 1990. So uh, Nikolai Volkov pop in the ring. You want to talk about someone who uh, has no shot at winning the match? Yeah, uh, that is him. So uh, this is the last WWE pay per view match for a couple of guys. So you saw Texas Tornado come in. Uh, we're going to see guys like Hercules, Warlord, Barbarian, Pat Tanaka, Texas Tornado, and Co Colonel Mustafa, who was the Iron Sheik. So uh, this is sort of an end of an era for a lot of different things. Wow. I talked about Kerry Von Erich, who's the Texas Tornado. He's the guy with all of the tassels on his boots, the guy with the, the one foot. Mm -hmm. uh, so he is a guy that um, he, he wouldn't be appearing. I think they probably expected more. He was a huge, huge superstar in Texas, uh, one of the more popular wrestlers in that area. Um, and WWF really didn't get the same sort of popularity with them. And I would say it's certainly their fault. They didn't book him as a, as a Von Erich. They booked him as Texas Tornado and try to give him this like stupid gimmick. He tried mm -hmm. to make the best of it. He's an amazing wrestler, but uh, just wasn't the same. And as Nikolai Volkov gets tossed over, so see you bye. He's, uh, you stood no chance. Ric Flair definitely looking a little bit gassed here. Yeah. Um, in your opinion, Ric Flair... Uh, where does he rank in sort of the, the, I guess, the hierarchy of guys we've watched in some of these watch-alongs? Do you see him as a legitimate main eventer that you would love to pay to see? Or is he one of those guys that's sort of just there for you? I know people are sort of in between. Uh, they either have passionate opinions about him and that they really think he's amazing. And some people don't see the allure. I'm cur curious as you, as someone who's more of a recent fan. Yeah, it's wild because we've watched him in so many things now together, too that he's definitely gone up in my list of, like, people I always like to see out there and, like, always keep me interested. Um, Here comes like Big if I ever saw, like, I told you I'd watch those things, I'm like, who is this? Big Boss Man. Okay. Big Boss Man is amazing. Like, I had seen, um, you know, the some of the documentaries with Roddy Piper and um, Stone Cold, and if I saw the Ric Flair one pop up now, I would want to watch it, where, like, you talked to me – two three months ago i don't know that i'd sit and stop and watch that or record it you know it makes it a whole lot different so right um you know i feel like he's definitely one of the biggest wrestlers of all time um it's crazy that the name is still going around today um whoa this guy is really cool yeah so nikolai volkov so a little fun fact about him he filled in for Marty Jannetty, who was written out out of his uh, participation after the attack. That because this is fresh off, of, like I mentioned, that Shawn Michaels turned his back on the on his partner in the Rockers, so Jannetty was due to uh, due to be in this match, but he they wanted him to sell the injuries, um, and then he ended up being indefinitely suspended the week after the Rumble after an altercation in Tampa with where police found uh, possession of drug paraphernalia. So, as for the match, Volkov was pressed into action only less than one minute, as we saw him being tossed out by Repo Man. Uh, people sort of questioned the choice for him being in the match since Volkov hadn't been in a WWE ring since Survivor Series 1990. 
Oh, wow. So imagine guy now popping in the ring after not being there in two years. I guess there are now the surprise appearances. But even then, and there goes British Bulldog. Nice last hit from number one. Now he's out. Rick Flair just tossed him out. Uh, the crowd in Albany actually booed Volkov, perhaps forgetting that he disavowed the Soviet alignment in 1990. Uh, but it was an interesting choice. I'm trying to think of a guy that a parallel would be to a guy that would be in the match now that wouldn't be sort of a good surprise. It was just a guy that hasn't been around in two, three years, and he just pops in. What were the uh, what were the matches that came before this during this event? Uh, the undercard. Good question. Let's talk about the undercard. Uh, so there, it's definitely not one of those things that people watch. And here comes Hercules Hernandez wearing pants, a very rare time in his career that he does. Uh, this is his last WWE appearance as well. So again, changing of the guard. Uh, so the opener was the new foundation, which is Jim Neidhart and Owen Hart defeated the Orient Express, Kato and Pat Tanaka. We also had Roddy Piper defeat the Mountie for the IC title. Uh, the fourth match was the Beverly Brothers, which is Bo Beverly and Blake Beverly defeating the Bushwhackers uh, in a non-title match. And then the match, I guess the main event, aside from the world title match, which is the Royal Rumble, was the Natural Disasters Earthquake and Typhoon defeated the Legion of Doom by count out for the tag team titles. So um, a match that went nine minutes and 24 seconds. So aside from this match, not a terribly memorable card, I guess, aside from the title change with the Mountie and Roddy Piper. Yeah. It's funny. I was telling you about that other show, The Hunt, and uh, that Canadian kid that went on there. Nice. Oh, yeah. Um, He came on as the Mountie, and now he can uh, go for it. Any champion, any belt he wants. It's a cool setup. I forgot to message you the other night about it. That was my bad. Oh, it's all good. The um, the crazy thing about the Mountie was that he was not allowed to compete in Canada under that gimmick because of the fact that it was offensive to Canadian audiences. Really? Yeah, so he was only allowed to be competing in the United States. So, like, if the WWE or, or WWE at the time went to um, – or the Quebecers who that he was in a tag team with, if they went to Canada, they were not per- permitted to compete in the arena. Wow. As as Big Boss Man had to help himself over the ring. So Ric Flair stands alone. Let's listen to Heenan. He looks done. We're only up to like number 11, 12 maybe, if that. Uh, here we go, like a madman. My guy. Crowd going nuts. Yeah, how can you not? And you hear uh, Heenan saying it's not fair to Flair screaming and that added so much to the match because you had gorilla monsoon who was in favor of the faces clearly flair is a despicable heel at the time uh absolutely amazing so well done by bobby he one of the best to ever do it he's one of those guys that really can make a match feel important uh if he's involved in the commentary team and that's what's missing from the wwe product today yeah This is great. I can't believe it. I can't believe the whole. First of all, I feel like there are a lot of guys in the ring at once, which I don't always love in the Rumble. I don't want to see 
all four corners sitting there with eight guys total, each one of them just pounding down on the other guy while something is going on in the middle of the ring. I don't love that. Like, if you're in it, you're in it, you know, at least like in this one. I mean, that's obviously something that's aged differently because in this one, you know, at least Flair was in the middle of the ring before with, uh, I think it was Tornado, holding his, uh, pulling on his leg or like putting him in a figure four, something like there was more going on during this so far in that downtime of the match where now a lot of the time I hate the whole people going and crawling under the ring thing. Like, I hate that. And then coming back as a late entry. You know, it brings the fear and to me it ruins it. But it's just like to me, that's like a today's WWE thing where they like have to, you know, let you think, oh, you're enjoying this. That's great. Wait until we're done. And it's like, ah, like that I hate. So this is so much better. Well, it feels like guys that are involved. I mean, aside from Nikolai Volkov, who wasn't involved in the product, but they were they were forced on that day to pick a new guy to be in there. And here comes Jake the Snake Roberts uh, popping out there. These. He is another guy. I mean, you have Brody Piper in the ring and Jake, two of the best wrestlers of all time to never win the WWE Championship. Crazy. And I think that's like a credit to who they are. They didn't need the championship. It's just they were so above it. Yeah. In my opinion. I just love both of them. I got it, yeah. In the ring, Piper and Jake are two of the best who ever done it. Didn't we just see Jake on Wednesday too, dude? Uh, Yeah, he's at the side of Lance Archer right now in, in pursuit of the AEW Championship, so... Wrestling is full circle, and I think it's best when it's this giant multiverse. You want to talk about the Marvel and the DC multiverse yeah. where everything's connected. We talked about this on that um, that Hangout show we did uh, with a couple of the guys from the comic book community. These things are so much better when they're tied together with consistency and continuity, and wrestling is, feels so much better when the world is opened up to everybody. Yeah, and Jake Rick, just turned on Rick. Rick Flair getting his absolute ass kicked right now. Yeah, and um, but yeah, Jake is still uh, around. And like, I think for a bit there, he was in some bad health and the DDP yoga stuff saved him. Um, and having his mind and just his mic work in AEW is a blessing because as, as a fan of wrestling, he's one of the best to ever do it. And I can't say enough nice things about what he's done in the ring so far. So this match too, another fun fact about this. So as noted with the Hall of Fame, we talked about all the guys that are in the Hall of Fame or will be Hall of Famers. Um, so for three different men the, the that would be WWE champion in their careers, it was somewhat surprisingly the only Rumble appearances were two. So two of them in this match were Colonel Mustafa and Sergeant Slaughter. So uh, were up there in age and winding down their full-time careers. Mustafa would be gone from WWE before the summer while Slaughter scaled back his in-ring work. We'll see Sergeant Slaughter in a little bit here. Um, and then the third was a towering Sid Justice who seemed poised to be a mainstay in WWE for years to come. Um, and we'll see Sid at the end. He's down to the final two. Um, the stuff, too, at the end where Sid eliminates Hogan, and you'll see it. I think we're going to put the sound up because at the time for Coliseum Video, they doctored the sound because everyone cheered so loudly when Hogan got eliminated because everyone just expected Hogan would have won his third straight Rumble. So when... Hogan eventually gets eliminated. Uh, people go absolutely off. So this was the build-up to WrestleMania where eventually Hogan would wrestle Sid Justice and then Flair would wrestle Macho Man. Um, the famous match that uh, Ric Flair writes about in his book. So very interesting to talk about. I can see if I can find the article. There's Hacksaw Jim Duggan, the winner of the first Royal Rumble ever in 1988. Very cool. It's amazing that like those first nine or ten guys that came out, all huge, huge names, mostly people I knew, and now there's four guys in the ring, and it's amazing how like I feel like this 
is better than those first 10 guys, as crazy as that sounds, you know, if that makes any sense to you. No, absolutely. I think that's a good point by you. Um, so Ric Flair, you know, spoiler alert, I know you didn't know, but he does go on to win the championship here. So WrestleMania 8 is considered by many not the best WrestleMania, especially coming off of uh, comparing it in the grand scheme of things that didn't do as well. I guess in longevity and as fact as how the card delivered. And that's not because of the, the, the fact that flair was champion. I just think that um, there was just something missing. So, and it was the way it was booked too. So this flair would go on to be defending the title against macho men, as I mentioned, and he was the first, they were the first two to not main event WrestleMania with the WWE championship. And I think that just takes the wins out of their sales. Why is the title not main event? And just because Hogan's not in the event, the main, it just not just because it's not involved in the title match doesn't mean you should be um, not including the W title in the main event. Of course. So that was kind of the reason. Here comes IRS. That's Bray Wyatt's dad. Really? It is. Yeah. Um. So Ric Flair defending the W Championship against Randy Savage felt like an obvious choice until fans realized Hogan and Sid Justice received higher priority. So people um, at the time were very upset. It's it's weird because as a kid. For me, I was sick of Hulk Hogan like the okay. whole time, and I wanted new blood. But people agreed with that, and I think similar to what they do today, WWE was doctoring the video and doctoring the noise to make it seem like their uh, the face of their company was still as over as he was. But people were sick of him by that point. Yeah, they do that sometimes. I feel like even in today's day, you know, there's just some people you're just kind of like. <laughs> Sick of like you know how many championships has Charlotte won? It's like ah, oh, it's getting kind of old, but yeah, I mean I even watched like not to talk about SmackDown too much, but uh, the SmackDown segment with Seth Rollins and Roman where they mentioned Moxley and everyone was like, you got to check this out. Um, you got to check this out. You have to. Uh, it was crazy. He mentioned Moxley. I was like, all right, fine, I'll check it out. Just the noise in the back, the fake noise, and I keep like mentioning this, and I don't know if I'm like people are sick of me hearing hearing me say this, but just the fake noise ruins the moment. Like people are going to react strongly either way. Let them react the way they want to react. Why do you have to add fake booze? It just sounds so fake. And I don't know. I just I can't get past it. Yeah. Not understandable. Did you do you notice it as much as I do? I've been looking out for it more, I'll tell you that much. Since you started noticing it. It's crazy. Um, so there's a lot of controversy as to sort of the the choice of the main event in Wrestle at WrestleMania eight. Um, do you feel like we we did mention at WrestleMania that uh, there's been a few times that it opened the show, the title match, and of course we've seen AEW open the show with title matches on Dynamite and all that. Do you feel like the main event has to be the world title, or do you, do you have room for sort of leeway there and put it in the middle of the card, end of the card, beginning of the card? You don't really care. I mean, there has to be a belt to end the card. I don't think you can just end the main, the WrestleMania card with you versus me for bragging rights, you know? Mm-hmm. Nothing along those lines. Um, like I said, I think it has to be done right. I think you have to do the right of people. Um, and I don't want to see, like, like I wouldn't have – I'm glad when it happened with Seth and Brock. I know we keep bringing it back. It was the most common one I remember. You know, like, I can't imagine that they would have let Brock suplex and then um, – F5 Seth three times and call it in five minutes. You know, I know it was a little bit of a quick match, but I think the changing of the belt was cool. And I think it set a good pace for WrestleMania for the rest of it, which is what you needed to see. 
Um, right. I think then it was still only one day, which I also do like better, to be honest. But that's just me. Um, the two days, it's cool. But now it's like, all right, you're, you're putting your B-list roster out at WrestleMania, and you don't have to. You know, that's what I think. But Yeah, I mean, I guess I like the idea better than a seven-hour show. I'd rather have two three-hour, three-and-a-half-hour shows than that. Uh-huh. Selfishly, I don't want to sit there for seven hours, and I – I am exhausted by the end of like I think it was the the WrestleMania that Becky won the title at MetLife Stadium. Yeah. By the time they got to that match, people like they wanted to pop for the match, but they were just exhausted. So yeah, I understand the need for it, but also maybe like you shorten the card to the point where it it only is four hours. Like you just say, like if you didn't make the card, unfortunately, you're just not on the card. Yeah. You know they have events all year that are three hours long. Right, and they have big names that aren't in all the matches, all the events all year long. Yeah, so I talked about Hulk Hogan uh, and them editing the footage out. So I found a little bit more of an excerpt here about what happened late in the match. And we'll here comes Taker with Paul Bearer, um, a very recently entered Taker. At this point, he's only two years into his WWF career. Uh, so when Hulk Hogan was eliminated late in the match, and we will again, we will turn the sound up so you guys hear it. Uh, a lot of the crowd actually cheered his exit, according to Sid Justice. Hogan then screamed at Vince McMahon backstage, blaming Vince for setting Hogan up to be booed. Sid told Vince, I can't work in a place where a grown man acts like this. I'm going home. I'm done. The cheers were edited out of subsequent showings of the match as this was the reaction they did not expect. So what is sort of your feel on that? Like you read all these stories as Jimmy Snook is gone. Quick entrance and exit for Jimmy Snooker. Yeah. Uh, what is your reaction to that, to Hogan getting upset instead of rolling with the punches? Um, I mean, like, he had his – not that he had his time. Like, he gets the biggest moments, dude, you know? Like, he's the yeah. Hulk. Um, so I think, you know, that they cheered him out was kind of like, you know, did he really expect to win three in a row? Did he expect to win – like, if he won three in a row, did he expect to win four in a row? Like, after a while, it changes pace, you know. And at this point, was he already a champion yet at this point? Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. He had been champion since, you know, WrestleMania 1, 1985. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was a long time coming. Um, I mean, like, it wasn't the end of his wrestling career, you know. So, I don't know. The whole thing with him, like, you know, like, like you said, you know, kind of roll with the punches. Just let it be, you know. I mean, yeah, it's not the crowd reaction you want, but... You know, I don't know. Is he the last one eliminated? He is not. He got eliminated third to last and eventually winds up being Sid who gets eliminated. But um, a whole thing, I have an idea for this, the show I want to do and just talk about how Hogan's character is a heel. If you watch, here comes Macho Man. Dude, this guy is a freak. Look at him go out there. He's going straight. He's going straight for, it looks like I went for Flair, but uh, Taker got him and IRS is stepping on him. Um. But the thing is, ironically, Hogan's best work, in my opinion, wound up being in WCW two years later as a heel in NWO, or three years later at this point. So in WWF, if he would have just sort of followed the crowd reaction instead of forcing the face reaction and being like, I'm the good guy, I'm the red and yellow, maybe WWF would have been able to keep him there. Who knows? I mean, Ted Turner was going to throw money at him anyway that he was going to be leaving in 1994 or late 1993. He was leaving. so. I just think like if you sort of grow and let your character progress organically, 
they're going to be more over anyway. We watched the Roman Reigns. They tried and tried and tried to make him this baby face, this like vulnerable, good guy. And now he's a bad guy. They're leaning into what he is. And there goes Jake. And Macho Man eliminates himself, which is always like shot. Like, why? What? I don't understand that. Very odd. Does he always do this? No, but like, I don't understand why. I don't know why they did that. I'm not sure if he actually realized he eliminated himself. I kind of want to look that up because he probably wasn't supposed to eliminate himself. That's really funny. Does Bray Wyatt's dad go on to do anything ever? He's just IRS. He's just, he's million dollar man's, uh, you know, they were tag team champions before this. Okay. Um, but no, not really. He's just like million dollar man's crony. So um, what I was saying about Hogan, I think, you know, I was watching some other matches with Hogan throughout history. And even back when he was a baby face, like, and he was the face of the company, he was cheating all the time. So I kind of want to build this like case about how he was a heel forever. Like people don't realize that he always was a bad guy in character. I'm not talking about the guy, Terry Belay. I'm talking about the character in WWF that he was willing to cheat, do things to be nefarious and break the rules. Like he, he's always doing that. I watched him that. I think, I think it was the Kamala match. He defended this, his WWF title against Kamala at MSG and Kamala was dominating him and he pulls out, uh, salt or whatever sand and throws it in Kamala's eyes and then eventually it's the leg drop but he's cheating and it's like everyone's cheering and it's unbelievable to me it's like he's a bad guy uh-huh especially in the 80s if that was Ric Flair that did it he'd be booed as a nefarious heel it's like why can Hogan do it because it's a monster that he you know whatever it takes to get the job done right so and then Hogan here the reason I'm bringing that up to this I'm not just ranting the reason I'm bringing it up is because Hogan on here um the way he eliminates justice you'll see it's a heel move. What happens? He gets eliminated fair and square. He's out. And he causes Rick, like he gives Ric Flair the win essentially because of his beef with Sid Justice for eliminating him. Wow. Okay. So you'll see it. It's just, it's a weird booking thing. So how would you, I understand Hulk's, Hulk's under, I guess he knew he would have been booed that way if they were booking him to do that to justice. Uh, but people were sick of him already. I think they were going to boo him anyway. Gotcha. Here comes the berserker. Again, not a not a great memorable character. So coming to the ring with Mr. Fuji. So that's a legendary manager right there, though. So okay. some credit there. This guy looks like he should be part paired up with the barbarian. Oh yeah. I mean it's pretty much this, there's three of the same character essentially at this point. Yeah. Warlord Barbarian. I mean, even Hercules Hernandez is like the same character. It's like this kind of wild man who can't be predictable. Um, all right, so the other thing that people really like to talk about, we eventually got the match in WCW, but we never got Ric Flair versus Hulk Hogan. And that didn't happen in WWF at WrestleMania. I believe they did wind up wrestling at some point in WWE, but not in the capacity that people thought, like at this time. Why didn't Hogan and Ric Flair main event this WrestleMania? I guess we'll never know. Mm -hmm. I think they did run some of these. And I have this article up here that talks about it. Um, they wound up having house shows that they didn't really mesh well together. Um, and they, I guess, decided not to pull the trigger of having a match at WrestleMania 8. But I wonder what could have been if they would have had the title on the line between Flair um, and Hogan. Because the original plan in 1992 was for WrestleMania 8 to feature the dream match between the two. Mm -hmm. And as soon, as soon as after, changed to a double main event. 
featuring Flair versus Randy Savage, as I mentioned, and then Hogan versus Sid. Uh, they even announced it on TV and then changed the plans. There was a video. I didn't go on YouTube and ty type it in. There's an old promo. So depending on the story you believe, the story goes that Hogan was planning to leave after the event and clashed over losing the event to Flair. Hogan's idea was to go out on top by pinning Flair cleanly and leaving as world champion. Vince disagreed with Hogan and changed the match. Um, another idea is that Vince was nervous that the match wouldn't be so special after having already done a house show run. And the other speculated the reason that he was trying to save the match for WrestleMania 9, which eventually Hogan uh, just wrestled in a tag match and won the title at the end, which is another crazy story that is for another time. Um, but whatever happened, McMahon made the decision to put on a double main event instead of the dream match. And they didn't wind up working until WCW 1994, which definitely wasn't the same because both men were already two years older. Flair, who was already an older guy anyway. Do you think it was a like a backing, you know, a booking backing yourself into a booking corner kind of deal like we talk about recently on a lot of other shows we've been doing? Uh, I definitely see that. I mean, at, at some point, somebody has to lose, right? Right. And I guess WWF wanted a new guy to be taking their place. And if they thought Hogan was leaving, whether it was to WCW or going to, to do movies or just retire, he has to put somebody over on the way out. Yeah. And it seemed like Hogan wasn't really willing to do that. Um, maybe the guy wouldn't have been Flair, you know what I mean? Because Flair's already an older guy. I'm not sure how he old, how old he is here, but he has just as many miles on his body as Hogan does. Right. Uh, but they certainly they looked at Flair with this um, with like prestige, I guess, because they put him in this big spot here, and they gave him a chance to shine. So it's not like they looked at him like they look at a lot of guys from other companies and say like, "We don't get it. You're not homegrown. We're not going to put the title on you." Yeah, very odd. I was gonna say my thoughts are either a booking corner or did like Hogan bully them out of not doing it, you know? Certainly that as well. I mean, again, I wasn't there, you know. But every story you read and you watch shoot interviews with other talent, they talk about how Hogan, while being wildly responsible for the boom of wrestling and WrestleMania one, the, the success of WrestleMania one through four, and blah 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 blah. He had a lot of power and he had Vince's ear. So everything he said was sort of, it held a lot of esteem in Vince's, yeah. in Vince's favor. And he just felt like, um, I guess at some point Hogan felt like he could just pick and choose who he, want, who he wants to beat and who he wants to work with. And a lot of times that doesn't work out well, because if you have talent sort of ruling the roost, like they did in WCW, you're going to have a huge issue with, eventually you're going to have a spot, like you said, with Flair and Hogan. It's going to be a huge match, but someone has to swallow their pride and lose. You know, like right. wrestling is, you know, wins and losses are not everything. If right. It's correctly, you can make a lot of money together. Absolutely, yeah. Um. So yeah, that's a that's a huge piece to it. I mean, it's a discussion for another time. And I wasn't a WCW fan at the time, so like once these guys left WWF, I was like, they just disappeared off my TV. Right. And you would see things like in magazines. And like for me, uh, you know, I wasn't watching Nitro eventually when it came in in 1996 and or 95, whenever it came in, I think it was 96. Um, I was a WWF fan through and through. So once they left, they were gone. So Hogan eventually drew me back to Nitro when I was watching him turn heel. That was unbelievable. But it took a lot of uh, it took a lot of me to like move, change the channel because I was cemented as a WWF fan. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I get that yeah it's hard because i mean i know a lot of people feel that way today with aew they don't want to leave 
But to me, I feel like WWE has they've damaged the relationship so badly with fans like me and people that think like me that I'm just so thankful that AW exists that I right. can appreciate the history of WWE and appreciate what they've done, uh, but also explore other types of wrestling and appreciate the other types of wrestling and booking because if there was only WWE, I probably wouldn't be watching wrestling anymore. <clears throat> Fair. Yeah. No, I understand that. I still wish I didn't watch all three days each week, you know, and then watch AEW on top of it, but I don't know. I just, I stay hopeful for some reason. Like you always say too, you know, you're the same way, but who is this? This is Rick, the model Martel. So he is a uh, former IC champion. Oh, wow. Sort of a mid-card guy, but a great, a great character. Who's the guy with the red and white striped pants? That's Virgil. So he is another guy that's part of the Million Dollar Corporation with Ted DiBiase. I'm not sure if Virgil at this point is a face because eventually he turns his back on Ted DiBiase. I can't tell if he's working with IRS or not, but. Okay. Uh, A lot of guys in the ring right now, man. This is one of those things I was talking about, like, I feel like I could point out, I mean, I know you told me who wins, but I feel like I could point out three guys in the ring right now, uh, actually four, who we know aren't going to win already. Like, But I guess it's to give all the other people a break. I don't know. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess legitimate winners in this ring, you can look at Macho Man Taker, who was the champion uh, that was stripped of the title. Um I guess you could consider Hacksaw like a legitimate threat because he did win yeah. once in 1988, even though I'm sure they they wish they can go back with revisionist history and like do a different decision because they probably didn't realize the Rumble was going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. It, just, it stands out like a sore thumb that he was the winner that year. Mm-hmm. And then Piper, of course, like Piper could be a legitimate winner, but everybody else right. is sort of just there and Flair, obviously, as well. Yeah, so LIRS and Virgil really and Berserker stood no chance of winning. So, was this a pay per view back then, or was this just on like a Sunday night? This is a pay per view, and this was, I believe, aired during the day on a Sunday. Oh, wow! So, they How only had cost good question. Uh, four pay per views a, a year. So, they used to have Survivor Series, SummerSlam, Royal Rumble, and WrestleMania. So, similar to AEW's pay per view schedule, they had to build towards these long events. And here comes the aforementioned Hulk Hogan. Let's, let's listen to them talk about him. So we are at 54 minutes even, guys. If you want to make sure you're exactly lined up with us, I'm sure it helps to hear us give the audio. Sounded like Hogan got a good reaction, but I can't tell if it was doctored in any way. Um, but I'm sure similar to Cena, people are excited to see the guy. Yeah. And there's a large for, uh, portion of the fan base that like will always cheer him. But you know, sometimes the vocal minority in the crowd tends to be louder than the majority. So you know, we see a lot of faces get booed. I mean, look at when Roman won the Rumble. And yeah. there goes there goes Taker. So that was pretty much a shock, I would say, at the time. That people thought Taker had a legitimate shot to win. Taker obviously would go on to win his first Rumble in 2007. So all, so much longer than this. 
uh, a classic rumble that he eliminated Shawn Michaels to win. So if you're looking for a good rumble to watch in a recent history, 2007 is a really good one where Taker wins his first and only Royal Rumble wow. from number 30, mind you. Oh, really? Yeah, they, it's funny because they. I was talking about with somebody for uh, a while ago that they used to hype up 30 as being this advantage, but no one ever won from 30. But they did it two years in a row with 08 with Cena, where I was live in person. And then also 09, they had Taker win from 30 as well. Wow. Who is this? This is Skinner the Alligator Man. So <laughs> another guy who sort of was just there. I'm not sure exactly what else he's done. Uh, but he was a mid-carter, and he used to just be like gross, gross-looking guy. Odd little get-up, but wow, the Bray Wyatt family is still in there. Oh, yeah. Mike Rotunda, he's in there. So to give you a little background on Skinner, so he debuted summer of 91. So he was there at this point for a little less than a year. Um, he was Skinner, an alligator hunter from the Florida Everglades. He was portrayed as generally a nasty individual. Always chewing tobacco and sometimes spitting it on his opponent. He carried yeah. an alligator claw to the ring with him, uh, which he would often use as a weapon against his opponents. He competed in the 1991 King of the Ring, defeating Virgil in the first round. Um, and then, I guess, WrestleMania 8, he he wasn't on the card. And then he competed in the 1993 Royal Rumble, but was eliminated by Perfect. And then he appeared at WrestleMania 9, which I did not know this, appeared at WrestleMania 9 uh, to help the original Doink defeat Crush by attacking Crush dressed as Doink during the match. So he dresses a fake Doink during the next year's WrestleMania before being released from the company. Very interesting fact. I did not know that. So this is why it's cool to do these watch-alongs because I didn't know that's something I did never look. Very cool. You know, the alligator man at all. Very interesting. See, Hulk and Flair have been on each other's radars right now in this whole match, which is pretty sick. It's cool to see them interact because at the time, I'm trying to think like dream match here. Like the, I'm trying to think of an AEW guy, like a Kenny Omega and Roman Reigns, like interacting. Like that's how. Yeah. Here comes Sergeant Slaughter, former WWF champion. I think at this point he's a recently, uh, recently faced because the year before he was an Iraqi sympathizer and he was a full-blown heel. <laughs> I think he's a good guy at this point. And there goes Skinner eliminated by Rick Martel. My my taste of, of Sergeant Slaughter was him as a uh, as a the commissioner of Raw for for not of Raw of WWF where he was like always feuding with DX so like that was my introduction to him um, as a kid but now going back and watching this uh, he's had some memorable matches yeah for sure let's tune in a little bit we are right now at fifty seven fifty let's take a take a listen to the announcers. How many more people come into this? It can't be what we got two more. So we are at, let's see. We have two more. Uh, this is the aforementioned Sid Justice coming out. So Sid Justice in there, and he was a favorite to win at the time. Uh, obviously, as I spoke to you guys before, he was going to be going on to face Hogan at WrestleMania that year in the double main event. Um, I believe that match ends in a in a uh, countout. So, like, 
even all the way back in 1992, they couldn't make a booking decision that would be uh, consistent and logical. Like, why not just have Sid just beat Hogan clean? Like, why? How? How is that going to hurt Hogan? Yeah. But of course, they couldn't do it because wow. having two mega stars would be better than having um, one. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, so, what so, is the the final um, five? Is going to be what Slaughter, Rick, Hulk, uh, Piper, and and uh, Sid. Don't remember off the top of my head. I know the final three are certainly Hogan, Flair, and Justice. As far as the other fourth member of that, because I know the final four is always a big deal where they all stand up in the ring and like stare at each other, and it's always mm-hmm. like, "Oh, cool, he was final four in the in the Royal Rumble." And it's usually some person that they have big plans for in the future. I'm not sure if they thought about that um, during this time. Yeah, you can see how uh, winded uh, Flair is, dude. By the way, Macho is still in the ring. Um, yeah, I guess the fact that he went over the top rope, they had to rule like he didn't eliminate himself. They had to like jump through hoops to make sure he's in the ring because storylines are built around him being in the ring. So him jumping out over the top rope and eliminating himself uh, in lieu of jumping on uh, Jake, they had to be like, "Uh, you're not eliminated." Yeah, that's funny. So, Mistakes uh, get made. So yeah, there's been some times that there's been some accidental uh, eliminations for the Royal Rumble. So most notably 2005, if you remember that one where Vince McMahon tears the squad, there actually was an interview um, about it on the WWE, whatever, inside story, beyond the ring, whatever those are called. And he talks about how he tore both of his quads because somehow, some way, Cena and Batista fell out at the same time. And Batista was supposed to win. Um, but imagine if Cena would have landed uh second they both somehow landed on the uh, at the same time but it was not supposed to happen shit um but randy savage did eliminate himself by jumping off the top rope to do a double axe handle to the outside and then just re-enter the match like nothing happened monsoon tried to explain that you have to be eliminated and you can't eliminate yourself but obviously we know that's bullshit because yeah uh, it happened all the time who was uh, this last guy who came out that's the warlord so like again another guy that's very similar to uh, the Berserker and whatever. There goes Sergeant Slaughter. I think he went over the top rope, right? Yeah, that was a rough elimination. Yeah, 2001, Drew Carey was in the match and eliminated himself as well. So, like, there is some, like, historical, I guess, facts that you could point to that guys can eliminate themselves. I guess they needed Macho Man in the ring. I mean, we know it's not. It's scripted, so Macho Man just made a mistake. I think there's a there's a Royal Rumble where he tries to pin somebody too. I'm pretty sure that's out there. <laughs> that's funny. I gotta watch more of his stuff too. Yeah, Macho was great. Uh for sure. I think I mean if you're looking to watch his best matches, I would say start with the one at WrestleMania three with Ricky Steamboat. That's probably his best match early on for the IC title. And if you when you watch that match, just like remember it's from 1987. It's bizarre because it it looks like it could be from TV today. Really, just the stuff that they're doing in the ring is remarkable. Wow! As we have Flair backing away from Hogan, Hogan dominating and left in the ring right now, guys. Uh, as we are at one hour and two minutes, I mean we have about seven minutes left in this watch along. We have Warlord, Sid Justice, Hulk Hogan, Rick Martel, Roddy Piper. And Ric Flair and Macho Man. There goes the Warlord eliminated. So we're down to six here. So that's Piper getting worked on by Flair in the corner. Uh, Hogan right there. And you could certainly, it certainly looks like they are building towards like a Hogan Flair interaction at WrestleMania. Yeah. All over each other, like you mentioned. 
I mean, at this point, I don't think I would think that Flair is losing this. If I didn't know Hulk won multiple years in a row, that was a cool elimination. Yeah, Sid Justice was booked really strong. He goes on to eventually be the the star of 1997, where he's uh, WWE champion for a bit there, and uh, as a different character, as Psycho Sid instead. But he's a legitimate monster. So uh, Flair is, is an hour into the an hour into the match right now, so he's got to be exhausted. Yeah, you could see it. I mean, through most of it, like his breathing is so fast. He's so winded. But, you know, that's the hard part about being in so early. But what's funny is, like like we talked about earlier, like we're not going to go and say Ric Flair won from number one. <laughs> he won at number two, you know? Yeah, it would have changed the story a little bit. We're going to have to – here comes Hogan eliminating. Wow. Now watch this, Nick. Tell me this isn't a heel. Yeah, 100%, dude. That's wild. That's really wild. He was still a face at this point? Is that what you were saying earlier? Yeah. Bobby Heenan going absolutely off right now. Does Ric Flair ever go on to win another Rumble? He does not, no. When does he eventually lose his belt? So he loses the belt to... I think he retains against Macho at WrestleMania 8. Um, or does he lose them? That's a good question. The big flair retains against Macho. See this feud in the ring right now. Hello, I'm Nick the Comic Nerd. We still have Sid in there with Hulk. Steve, a uh, Ace Field Retro, eliminated himself from uh, from this. But now all the managers come out, it looks like. Pretty dope. Looks like it's what's going to feud WrestleMania 8 like we've been talking about where they'll do the two main events. So this makes sense. Minus the fact that, like I said, I, I'm going to follow uh, Steve on this one and say that Hulk was the heel. But really wild. Still going on. Let's see if he's what's going on with this. Everyone can see and hear me. This is good. So they're still in the ring. They're still yelling at each other. Pretty cool stuff, I have to say. Um, I hope you guys have been enjoying these watch-alongs with us. They've been awesome for me, I have to say. Um, you know, I was telling him, growing up as a kid, I wasn't really allowed to watch wrestling. It was kind of like a household rule. But my cousin would always watch it. So when we were at his house, he'd we'd watch it. Um, and then I started watching again in like 2007. There he is, 2017. I got popped out for a sec, so I was actually I eliminated you from the Rumble, bro. You threw me over the top rope. I was actually talking about the uh, uh, the WWE Championship. So 
I did get the research while I was eliminated on the ground. My two feet did touch the floor. I was eliminated, but I did find out that Randy Savage did beat um, Ric Flair at WrestleMania 8. Wow. And then October of 1992, uh, Ric Flair beat Savage again. And then only a month goes by where Flair holds the title and then loses it at a house show to Bret Hart. And that was the last time that Flair held the WWE championship. Very cool. So here, we have a famous interview here. Let's, let's tune in here, guys. We are at 107. So the last two minutes of this, we want you to listen to. At this time, to present the title belt to the new champion, our president, the distinguished Jack Tunney. Congratulations, Ric Flair, on becoming the undisputed champion of the World Wrestling Federation. Let me just say, after due to starting the belt, they're proclaiming the real world champion. I'm going to tell you all. With a tear in my eye, this is the greatest moment in my life. When you walk around this world and you tell everybody you're number one, the only way you get to stay number one is to be number one. And this is the only title in the wrestling world that makes you number one. When you are the king of the WWF, you rule the world. Think about it like that, Mr. Perfect. Guys, I'm afraid. Woo! Woo! Let's give a big one. Woo! Woo! I was never so impressed with anything I've ever seen in all my life. So there it is. Ric Flair is celebrating the world title win. Uh, Before, we didn't have the sound on, but one of the classic moments, Mean Gene says, who put that, uh, put that cigarette out? So I don't know who's smoking back there. <laughs> mean Gene prior to the interview says, put that cigarette out. So very uh, classic Mean Gene moment. And unfortunately, three of the four in this screen right here have pa- since passed away. So Flair, the only remaining member in this segment, a lot of talented guys. I think he just said it. Damn, I just, I had the, the... moment in my life. Hold on, let me go I back to jump. it. Because I think you I have to hear party, it. But I got to tell you like this. Took it to whoever got in that ring. That's why he is. Hey, Bobby, we're the real world heavyweight champion. We're not the kind of guys to say we told you so, but we told you so. (laughs) Okay, very good. Red Flair, you have made world put that cigarette out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's great. Amazing. That's so good. Glad you were able to uh, to hear that. So. To me, that's the best Royal Rumble in history. Dude, that was amazing. I'll toss you guys some of the other uh, fun facts. So there's a couple um, here. There's a whole bunch here. So Ric Flair broke the record for the longest lasting in the Royal Rumble. The record will be broken again the following year by Bob Backlund. Uh, future WWE Women's Sasha, uh, Champion Sasha Banks was born one week after this event took place. Uh, nine wrestlers made their first appearance in the Rumble match, which was Flair, Jerry Sags, IRS, The Berserker, Virgil, the Iron Sheik, Skinner, Sergeant Slaughter, and Sid Justice. Um, according to his autobiography, Bobby Heenan made the idea for Flair to come out three. Um, I said that before. He suggested one, but Vince, I guess, compromised on three. Uh, this is the first WWE pay-per-view match for Owen Hart as himself and Sid Justice um, as the character Sid Justice. We also have, let's see, this is the first Royal Rumble match not to feature Bret the Hitman Hart. This was the only Rumble match in history where 30 superstars were wrestling for the vacated WWE Championship. Eventually, again, we talked about before 2016, it would happen again. Uh, Shawn Michaels' first pay-per-view as a singles wrestler as he had split with the Rockers' tag team partner a week earlier. 
Um, this was the in-ring debut for Sid Justice, so he debuted in the Rumble. No way. This is the final Royal Rumble appearance for Hulk Hogan. Ric Flair was the first to win, first heel to win a Royal Rumble. The next year they had Yokozuna win, so they, I guess they wanted to keep up with the heel persona. Um, and I'm trying to think of other heels that have won. Triple H was a heel in 2016 when he won. Batista was a fate, oh, technically a heel, but he turned face. Um, other heels to win. I think that's pretty much it. They really stick wow. with having uh, good guys win. Oh, Del Rio won. He was a he was a heel as well. Wild. Five star rumble, dude. That was sick. I agree, man. I, I honestly it's my favorite. It's the way it's sort of like for Royal Rumble uh rewatches, I save it for last. It's sort of like my Christmas story. I want to watch it before the Royal Rumble happens. It really gets me fired up for the event. And we do have the Royal Rumble happening next weekend in St. Louis. It's a Saturday pay-per-view. I'm stoked to watch it as down as I am on the WWF product or WWF. Wow. WWE product. Um, the Royal Rumble is always something I look forward to. You and I made predictions about it. I know we're going to pop on here and do like a post show after the Royal Rumble and talk about it. Um, what is, uh, give me your prediction for the Rumble. I mean, for the three big matches, the Rumble match, and then we have the two title matches. Who do you think walks out as champions and who wins the Rumble if you had to pick? Oh, man. Wrong. Uh, Roman wins. Uh, he retains. I'll say... I don't know. I guess I just have a little line of that. I'm going to say that Seth beats Brock. Oh, no. Seth is fighting Roman. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Roman yeah. beats Seth. Who is Brock fighting? Bobby Lashley. I'll say both of them retain, and I'll say, I, I don't know, dude. I guess I, I the Austin Theory push has me thinking he's going to win. So. Okay. That's my pick. I don't know who he's going to go after next. I mean, is he going to be the interim between Brock and Roman for Mania? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I see I see the logic in Austin Theory because they, they are putting a lot of things behind him, as Don wants to join me here on the screen. Um, so they're putting a lot of um, behind Austin Theory. That, like Vince wouldn't be on screen with them if they didn't feel strong enough. But I'm trying to make the jump in my brain intellectually. Could you see – Austin Theory wrestling someone like Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar, like I just no, can't that's see the problem. So I mean, unless they have Bobby win and Brock enters the Rumble to go get Roman, that adds up. But like, also, what's the main event of this going to be? It's probably going to be the Rumble, I would say. I mean, you should main event with the Rumble. They, right. they don't always do it, but I think they should main event with the Rumble. Yeah, the men's Rumble should do. It. I mean, I think this is going to be a long event. This is going to be like five hours, I would guess, because you got the women, uh, the men's. Well, yeah, I got. I'm, I would Both say those. I would say three, three and a half, maybe. I, I think that's yeah. My pretty. I'm sticking with Braun Breaker. I think Braun Breaker is going to enter the Rumble, and I think he's going to win. I think they're going to. They see that he is going to be a future star, and it's the perfect year to just be like throw, throw something at the wall because nothing is obvious this year. I mean, like yeah. you said, I guess the Brock and Roman thing, but you really don't need the Rumble to get these guys to be like together. You could figure out a different way to get them there. Yeah, no, you're right. We'll see. I like your idea. I do. I, I you know, I like Braun Breaker. I think he's a big piece in NXT right now, and I think he'll get called up sooner than later. I just hope they don't kill him off like they did the last few guys. You know, completely agree with you. I'm hoping it's a good event. Um, it really sets the tone for WrestleMania season. Uh, but lately, I've just been so down on the product. But at this point, the Rumble is just fun to watch, even in a vacuum. If I'm not so invested in the product, yeah. So. I certainly will watch, and I will continue to watch the Rumble every year because there are always surprises, 
and they typically do a good job of booking it um, pretty strong. So um, I'm hoping for the best here. So anything you want to hype up on your channel before we uh, let the let the people go? Nah, man, I'm going away next weekend, so I'll. Uh, I'm hoping I should have time to watch the whole Rumble. We should be back at our hotel by then. Um, so might be a little bit less content next week, but the week after will be some big heavy stuff. So, are you going to be able to do the post show with me on Saturday? I should. Everybody should be like a sleeper in their rooms by then. Uh -huh. So the goal is to uh, the goal is to be able to. If not, I'm going to hold off and do it Sunday with you. Sounds like a good plan. Um, so some stuff I'm hyping up on my channel. So tomorrow I'll be doing the interview with Creator Pro wrestler Philip Cardigan. Uh, it will be on my channel. Not going to be airing it live. I don't think. I think we're probably going to air it on demand. I'm not sure. Just stay tuned for that. Uh, stay, you know, keep the notification bell on on, on on the channel. Check out the Instagram. Make sure you're there. We're going to ask him some good questions. Pick his brain about wrestling nowadays. Uh, what he's hoping for in the future. Talking about what he's done so far. Uh, really funny guy. Follow him on all social media platforms. He has a lot of good content. Um, and then some other things. Like I said, we have the Royal Rumble post show. We're going to continue to do the watch alongs. We'll be back Wednesday. Hopefully you'll be with me Wednesday for Dynamite. Yes, so we'll be talking about Dynamite, uh, which should be a good show. We have Beach Break uh, coming on. So we have Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole. We have the ladder match between Sammy and Cody Rhodes. So um, a lot of good stuff going down the pike. After this is over, I'm going to go start GCW. Hopefully I didn't miss too much. We're about an hour in. I was getting some text during the show about uh, people that are there and not there. So we'll see what happens. Um, I totally recommend watching it. I'm not sure. Are you going to uh, purchase on Fight TV? I think I will probably tomorrow, though. Yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And again, if not anything, support quality wrestling and support different promotions. Because yep. for all the complaining that people do, whether it's about AEW or WWE, it's always better to have more legitimate options and more... Um, more places for these wrestlers to work and to develop their characters. It's like, there's nothing better for the, the health of wrestling than promotions that are thriving. And by supporting good local wrestling, I mean, game changer wrestling has the spirit of an old school ECW um, by providing, you know, a, a place for guys to develop their skill because we have guys on this card that are up and comers. We have guys that are reestablishing themselves. We have guys who are bona fide main eventers. It's a great, great mix of, all types of wrestlers. And um, to me, they're doing great stuff. And even if you're not into the deathmatch hardcore types of types of wrestling, which is what they're quote unquote known for. Uh, there is a lot of high flying wrestling on the show and technical wrestling as well. So tune in, check it out. Um, there's something for a little for everybody there. And like the same thing, support impact, support AEW, support uh, your local indies that are near you, whether it be NYWC or create a pro near us, uh, Find a way to support them. Buy merchandise, buy tickets to shows. Um, wrestling thrives, similar to other fandoms. If you purchase uh, things that go into the pockets of the performers themselves. So merchandise, uh, making sure that you're supporting wrestlers on their Patreons and social media, buying stuff from them. Um, I can't say it enough. We all love this, um, but we need to put our money where our mouth is sometimes and support uh, people that are doing the right thing. And instead of paying the $9.99 a month for WWE Network on Peacock and supporting the fact that they're going to Saudi Arabia, support GCW, who's going to Hammerstein Ballroom um, and selling it out and putting on wrestling that is um, inclusive and it's also uh, progressive and it's also giving you a quality product. So there's my rant there. Um, Love it. But Nick, I appreciate you popping on here and I thank you guys for watching. We will certainly be back in two weeks with another watch along. 
please be sure to DM me or leave a comment on my page to talk about a match you want us to review and just talk about it. Hopefully you guys enjoyed what we did here. I'm certainly looking forward to the Rumble. We'll be back Wednesday to talk about AEW Beach Break. Uh, all the good stuff that comes in between. We'll talk about wrestling news, anything that pops up. Nick, will, I'm sure, will tell me all about his weekend. That's right. Well, actually, no. Wednesday is coming up in three days. So you're telling me about your weekend the next time. That's but, right, yeah. Um, and, yeah, just stay tuned. we got some good things popping on both these channels. So uh, bringing the comic book world and the wrestling world together, doing what we do best. So, Nick, thanks for joining me, everybody. I've been Ace Retro. That's Nick the Comic Nerd. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank <laughs> you.